0: I want to express my appreciation on behalf of my wife and myself for those of you who have prayed for us in our long trip out to Oklahoma Texas. We deeply appreciate uh, your prayers. Uh, Our lesson this morning is a lesson that has to do with the cross of Jesus Christ. And as I drove up assembly drive coming to the church today, I wondered what it would have felt like on that day in which Jesus was crucified to have gone up to the hill of Calvary and to have seen all that took place there. I doubt physically if I could have stood to look at anyone drive nails in his hand and then to erect him up on a cross. And yet when we come to the blessed Lord, we're asked to see that again. We are told that we are to show forth his death until he come, And so when I think about the marks of the cross, and I placed in our bulletin today this lesson, I went back to the 24th chapter of Luke, which has always been so much in my own thinking, where those two disciples had walked in the way of Emmaus, and where they were joined by that remarkable stranger who began to explain to them all the things that had taken place there and they asked of him where were you on that day and i have often thought of all the people on the earth to ask that question too surely that must have been one of the strangest questions ever asked and yet when they learned who that stranger was, what a difference in their lives and how they ran back into the city of Jerusalem with their sad hearts, which had been so slow to learn, now being able to see what had happened for them at Calvary and then sharing with the others. But you will remember that when they had shared with the disciples, Thomas was not there you will remember that Thomas was away. And Thomas was, I think, angry when they told him what had happened at Calvary and that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead and that he couldn't believe it. And so Thomas had said, Except I shall see with my own eyes the wounds in his hands, and except I shall thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then Jesus appeared, and he appeared to Thomas also. He came with the room in, into the room with the doors all bolted and locked, and that marvelous ability that was his as the resurrected Son of God. He said to them, "See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself touch me and see." It's interesting to read in history the various descriptions that are given about what Jesus looked like. There were people who tried to describe his appearance, and yet in the Gospels we don't have a hint as to how tall he was. They never tell us the color of his hair. They give us no description of his physical appearance. And when he came to identify himself, he said, look at my hand, look at my side. And when I think about that, I think about the sacred symbols of communion and why it is we are commanded to observe this death that he died on that cross until he comes again because it humbles every single one of us. This was brought home to me recently when I listened to a sermon by a preacher who used to often come to Lake Junaluska, Dr. Reginald Mallet, whom some of you may have also heard. He used to come every summer to their great preaching conference there. He said that as a young man, that he would never forget the first sermon that he ever gave in a church. That a minister had been injured in an accident and had telephoned to him and asked if he could please come and take the service. It was a late appointment, but there was no other choice, and he had to go. And he said, he said to him, how will I reach the church? And the minister told him, it's easy. You catch the bus, and he told him the number of the bus to take. It was a little village out in the countryside, and he said the bus by the parish church. That's the established church. But he was going to a small Methodist church. He said, get off the bus stop by the parish church. And he said, in the center of the village, there is a cross. Many of you who have been to Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales will remember that in the villages, there is frequently a village cross that's put up there. In fact, many of the earliest pictures that I can recall of John Wesley preaching uh, is an artist rendering of crowds of people gathered at the village cross listening to John Wesley preach. Well, the minister told him, get off the bus at the parish church. And he said, there are two roads that fork there. You take one of them that starts off to the left, and when you get to the cross, He said, when you get to the cross, you will know when you turn that you're in the right because you will be able to see the church. If you can't see the cross, you'll know you've taken the wrong road. Stay on the road until you come to the cross. Then look and you'll see where you're supposed to go. Those words are great words for any young minister who is preaching or teaching the gospel, and for any pilgrim who follows Jesus Christ. When we come to the cross, we know that we have taken the right road. If we fail to come to that cross, we haven't made it. But when we do come to that cross, we know that we're in the right place and we can see where to go from there. That's why we're told to keep on coming to communion, to come to this representative of the cross where the service of sin teaches again of what our Savior has bought for us at Calvary. The Apostle Paul found himself glorying in that cross. You will remember that that was the hardest single thing for him when he was Saul of Tarsus, the bitter Pharisee, proud and haughty in his persecution of Christians. He would not accept the idea that the Messiah should have been crucified. But when he met him on the road to Damascus, the voice of Jesus had said to him, I will teach you what things you must suffer for my sake. And so Paul, as he was called after his conversion, went into the city of Damascus. And we are told that his first experience there, after he had testified to his conversion on the road to Damascus, was that people set about to kill him. And he was let down over the city walls in a basket, Often thought how helpless you would have felt dangling in a basket being let down over a wall. And yet, that's what happened to Paul. And this enormously gifted, great intellectual begins to surrender all of his gifts to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when he comes to learn what that cross meant, he had to say, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, by whom I am crucified unto the world, and the world unto me. The cross becomes his magnificent obsession. He is utterly obsessed with the fact that Jesus Christ has died for him to take away his sins and that through him he offers salvation and peace to as many as will come to that cross. Then they can things as they ought to begin to see them, And so it is with each one of us. And in our prayer meetings on Wednesday night, we have been going through uh, the second letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. And that part which has been printed in your bulletin today was our lesson last Wednesday night. And when we begin to look into it, we see Paul linking the great message which he as an ambassador and we, every single believer, truly born again of the Spirit of God, we are ambassadors for Christ. And we are to entreat others. He says, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. A great summit is to take place between President Reagan and Gorbachev of Russia. But a greater summit than this takes place when we go to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Peace is a condition that is conferred by God And we can only find peace when there is peace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when we are brought to him. Notice in verse 21 that's printed on your bulletin of chapter 5, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is the righteousness which comes to us through what happened on that cross. Then working, notice the part from chapter 6 in 2 Corinthians, verse 1, and working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Then he brings to us the message that gives us joy for such a day as this. At the acceptable time is the citation from Isaiah. I listened to you and on the day of salvation I helped you. Many a person has been converted who rightly came to church on communion Sunday and realized that God's son died, that their sins might be forgiven and accepted that forgiveness and were released from sins which had haunted them down through the years. And if that's your case today, then today is the day of salvation for you. The Holy Spirit can work faith in your life so that you respond by accepting Jesus Christ now as your Savior and the gift of salvation through him. Then Paul goes on because his ministry had been challenged in Corinth saying that he gives no offense in anything in order that the ministry be not discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance. That's patience. Then he groups together some of the things that are the mark in afflictions, in hardships, and distresses, a category of three things that he went through for the Lord. Then in verse 5, in beatings, in imprisonment and in tumult. That's when mobs had overwhelmed him, when he had been beaten and stoned. And if you want to see a catalog of those and you have your Bible, you can look into the 11th chapter of Second Corinthians and see later on when he is pushed into a corner and he defends his apostolic authority. And he, he speaks of people who came in to draw away those whom he had been teaching the gospel. And he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? i more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the Jews thirty ashes. They would sentence you to forty lashes and omit one as an act of mercy. Five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes. His back must have been much scarred. Three times I was beaten with rods. Do you remember the old Liberty dimes? On the back of it there were lictors. Those. That little branch, I used to think it was a shock of some kind of wheat. That's not wheat. Those are rods that are bound together. They were a sign of judgment and punishment that was to be inflicted. And here is an indication of that. He was beaten by those rods three times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He spent uh, time in the, at sea and a day and a night have I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in danger and thirst and often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things as these, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. The next time you see one of those glib television evangelists who tell you that if you accept Christ as your Savior, your wallet will be filled and nothing but peace and prosperity await you, read this again. That was not the experience of the Apostle Paul. And it's something that we need to keep in mind. If we do have prosperity for whatever time it is, we should carefully use it under the grace of God. For there may come a time when that's not our experience at all. Who is weak without my being? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? You see the pressures that came upon him. Those, I think, are marks of the Master. Another time when he writes to the Galatians, again his authority is questioned, and he has to say to the Galatians, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Do any of us bear in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus? We have seen a few people trickle out of China And some have told us of suffering that they have gone through for Christ or their families have. There are places in this world today where to live for Jesus Christ means suffering. And one of them is in the United States of America. A more subtle form of suffering may take place if you truly live for Jesus Christ. A standard of purity contrary to that portrayed on dynasty in dallas and whatever you see in television they live as though there were no god but we are called to a different standard we are strangers here in a foreign land our home is far away upon a distant strand we are pilgrims journeying toward that cross we are ambassadors here on business for our king I'll never forget being down in Anderson Auditorium years and years and years ago, more than, I guess, about 30. And Joe Blinko, who used to be an associate evangelist with Billy Graham, spoke. And he spoke on the marks of the master. And he told of two climbers who had gone from England to climb the Matterhorn in Switzerland, They were supposed to have been rivals because of their achievements in climbing in England, and one of them fell and was killed in a terrible crashing accident, far away from where there were any witnesses, and ugly rumors began to get out that the man who had survived had really been jealous of the other climber, and so an inquest was held, and a hearing was set forth. And at the trial when these things were spoken against the surviving climber, he listened with tears streaming down his face. And when all of them had finished their accusations, he simply held out for the jury to see his hands, which were burned by the ropes that he tried to hold when his fellow climber had fallen. Burned to the bone. Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Here are the marks of his love for us. Are we willing to be faithful to him? Are we willing to be faithful to whatever fight that might entail? He does not hide his scars to enlist us as his disciples. No. He didn't call us to a frolic. He called us to a fight. It is to be faithful to him and to be faithful to the finish of our days. Let us pray. Now grant o oh heavenly father that the spiritual refreshment we have this day enjoyed may not be left behind and forgotten as tomorrow we return to the cycle of common tasks but grant, grant that this fountain of inward strength this purifying wind of the holy spirit might keep all of our business and our pleasure and all do in line with thy keeping Grant that this light may shine upon our path. Enable us so to discipline our wills, that we may honestly seek after those things for which we have prayed for in these hours of peace. And seal to our hearts the precious memories of others who are with thee now in heaven. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, to whom alone be all glory, honor, dominion, and power, now and forevermore.